Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Hard Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, Greg, we just had a new episode two days ago. You're right. And now it is Thursday, but it's timely because in this short episode, I, I think earlier in the week I promised you volleyball and Nebraska ball, and uh, due to some scheduling conflicts and Sleeping children and adults. I'm not blaming Patrick per se. I'm just saying I think he forgot about us. Uh, We'll be talking strictly volleyball in this episode, so it'll be a little bit shorter probably. But we welcome back uh, for the second time in a week, Ty Peter on it. Ty, holy cow, that Nebraska volleyball team is something else. They really are, man. There's There's no two ways around it. They're... They're beating the teams that are put in front of them, and that's that's all you can ask out of a team. In this, uh, in in this, you know, late in in the season or, or postseason, if you will, and, and I remember it, it was phrased this way years ago on Sports Nightly when I was uh, working in Shadron, living up in Nebraska, uh, talking about the playoffs. It's win and you advance, lose and you go home. It's it's not a you know best of five, best of seven, anything like that. You got one shot to show the country that you belong there, and Nebraska, you know, the the regional semis and the regional finals last weekend, last Friday and Saturday in, in Minneapolis, uh, did some magical things. Uh, first up, let's talk about that Kentucky match on Friday afternoon because, again, you're getting a team now, obviously both teams have to play, you know, in, in a, what I think is a, is an uncomfortable or maybe unfamiliar, uh, you know, time most of these matches usually tip off in the evenings but you're you're tipping off at you know one o'clock in the afternoon or two o'clock if you're on eastern time you know something like that so you've got to make that adjustment it kind of rushes all of your uh, uh your pre-game you know daily routine uh what what does that do or or are these young ladies and, and maybe not just them but you know our athletes now kind of conditioned to just be ready for that type of fluid scheduling? You know, I think there is absolutely. And you hear coaches talk about this from time to time. There is a degree of, you know, kind of throws the schedule off, throws the routine off a bit. Cause you're absolutely right. You know, the Huskers as a general rule play their matches in the evening. You look at their, their non-conference schedule. They, a they host a lot of the preseason tournaments that they play in or the non-conference, excuse me, tournaments they play in, but they also, uh, you know, they're kind of a premier program having won two of the last three national championships. This is now their fourth consecutive uh, appearance in the the final four of the championship weekend. And so, you know, they're accustomed to being that later match. So it does throw your routine off a little bit, but I, I think you also hit on something really important there. You know, you look at, you know, use the comparison to like a volleyball or a football program, excuse me, a, a football or a basketball program. You know, Husker football plays anywhere between 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Or, or if they're in, like, Fresno State, for example, you know, 9.30 or 10, 
uh, in the evening, Nebraska time. So athletes are conditioned. And, and you know, to, to me, as a, from a coaching perspective, I think what's really important is not necessarily your day long routine, but that time in, you know, what really is, is the match time frame. Those, those couple of hours before the time frame, that's before the match, that's when the routine becomes really important that we're getting to the gym in a certain way. And, uh, you know, that we're, whatever meal it is, whatever those things that we do that are, it's not superstition, but it's that routine that, that tells your body, Hey, it's time to go out and compete sure. at a high level. So yeah, the time throws it off but on the flip side. You know, I think you hit on something when you said that you're could they're conditioned for it. And you know, the routine leading up to the match is going to be what it's been the, the rest of the season. I want to take you back to our conversation last week when, when we talked about, you know, meeting up with Kentucky and, you kind of, as best a prediction as you wanted to give, you thought it would be Nebraska in four. And obviously Nebraska did in the regional semis and in the regional finals what they've done in the postseason, and that's not lose a single set, knock on wood. Uh, You're talking about a team that what finished, did Nebraska finished third in the Big Ten? Third in the Big Ten, yep. Uh, behind, if correct me if I'm wrong, Minnesota and Illinois, correct? That's correct. Yeah, in fact, they finished tied for third, I believe, in the Big Ten. Um, I don't know off the top of my head, but I want to say they were tied with both Wisconsin and Penn State. And, entirely plausible. And, and obviously, we talked last week about the strength of the Big Ten. You, you were going up against the SEC champions in Kentucky and uh, you know a, a top-ten program in their own right, and Nebraska just whooped that ass. Um, they did. It, it was. I, I I started listening to it uh, in my truck, uh, you know, for work, and you know, here and there, I, I have to, you know, step out of the truck or, or you know, step away from from the the game. But when you start listening to it again, it's like, holy cow! Uh, that it wasn't all fluid. I know. I th- I think they they fell behind in the was it the second or third set that they kind of fell behind a little bit and, and, and had to rally. The third set. Uh, they didn't even take the lead until 24-23. They were behind the entirety of the third set until the very end. But it shows their resilience. I mean, they were, I I think, I think perhaps maybe at least in that uh, uh, match, if not this season, they've been playing like a team that's not to be denied. Uh, You know, as you mentioned, they're now in their fourth straight final four um, this is a, a dynastic run for uh, you know, college volleyball. It, it's it's up there with the you know the Yankees of the '90s. Uh, as much as I hate to say, the Patriots of, of you know the last ten or fifteen years. Shut up, Hoss. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but this is uh, and this is Nebraska football of the mid '90s. It's, you know, the Alabama of today, what John Cook and company have done. And, it's, and I, here's what I've learned, because I watched, uh, you know, a little bit, or, or I've, I've been trying to watch a little bit of, of the volleyball flipped between uh, volleyball and, and the basketball game against Creighton. But I, I like to say, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I think I hear things correctly, but some of these assistant coaches have gone on to head coaching jobs and found success in, in other schools, correct? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's Chris the, Thomas 
we're going to be playing, uh, the Huskers are going to be playing tonight was the Husker assistant two years ago. It, it's, it, it, it's astounding that, you know, it's the, uh, you know, we talk uh, as much as we have talked about Scott Frost and, and the, the learning tree that, that, or the various learning trees that, that he's been sitting under, you know, as a college uh, player, NFL player, college coach, you know, NFL assistant, things like that. But you can say the same about John Cook, except it's the John Cook tree, and, and then all of these branches are, are sprouting off, and, and, and all these coaches are, are finding their own success. It's, it's really phenomenal. It's a testament to the, the mind and, and the, the coaching ability that John Cook has. I agree with that, and it's a testament to the culture that that uh, John Cook has established at Nebraska, which I do think you know was was a bit of a continuation of, of the culture that Pettit had here. Um, but nevertheless, uh, you know the, the culture that he he has put in place at Nebraska is it, it's it's hard to describe to people outside, but it's very much just kind of you know you hear it used off in the Nebraska way. There's there's a certain way that they that practices are handled and there's a certain way that you know uh, losses are handled and wins are handled there's a way that you carry yourself and you know and you know this you know having been around Nebraska quite a while being you know in Nebraska and yourself there's there's a tighter focus on Nebraska athletes at the university than there are there there is not a a parallel type of situation in another state Nebraska athletics are everything and at least in the last 10 to 15 years, Nebraska volleyball has come to fill that kind of second place on the hierarchy behind football. Um, and Nebraska ball has had its, its flashes here and there, but Nebraska volleyball is consistently a top 10 program. And these girls are celebrities in the state. So that in the culture that Cook establishes, uh, you know, feeds through to everybody. And those, those assistants take it to their other programs and see success there because they establish that same kind of culture at their at the, um, other programs where they end up. And I, I might be, I, I'm trying to find different ways of saying, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, <laughs> I might be incorrect in this, but I, I remember hearing at one point that outside of UConn, women's basketball and maybe at, at the height of the Pat Summit years, Tennessee women's basketball, Nebraska volleyball is the only financially self-sufficient women's program in college athletics, correct? To the best of my knowledge, it is the only volleyball program that is um, that's self-supporting. And it is also, at last I knew, one of only three women's sports programs with the two that you mentioned. And, I, and, and even the Tennessee number – continued until not that long ago. I don't know if Tennessee is still self-sufficient. I don't know if other uh, of the, you know, like the South Carolinas or the Notre Dames or, or, you know, some of the other women's uh, basketball programs that you've seen be successful of late, if they're making their way up to that. But if you want to look consistently and regularly uh, at that level that they're, they're able to support themselves financially, Husker volleyball is the only one. And there are, as far as I know, only one or two even women's basketball programs are in that same category. So Nebraska knocks off Kentucky Friday afternoon, and that sets up a regional final uh, matchup with, and we talked about this, we touched on this, who we thought it might be. 
I speculated that, you know, I think maybe the the coaching staff, the players wanted a, a third shot at Minnesota uh, to, you know, on, on the biggest stage or, or, or when it mattered more to, right. you know, you know, to, to try to avenge some of those, po- the, those postseason or regular season losses didn't work out that way as Minnesota, the, uh, the big 10 champs, the uh, regional hosts, were knocked out in in the regional semis by Oregon. So then you had a rematch of, you know, a September matchup between Nebraska and Oregon. And, you know, we talked last week that either way, you know, if it was Oregon or Minnesota, it's a team that Nebraska saw in the regular season. However, this was not the same Nebraska team, even though they beat Oregon early on. uh, This is a team that is – peaking at the right time. And so there was, I I don't say this to sound arrogant or anything like that, but to me, you know, again, the outsider looking in, there wasn't any surprise that it was another three set sweep over Oregon to to win the regional. It wasn't when you really looked at it and look at all of the the mitigating factors going into it. I, I don't know that it was a huge surprise, um, that it was a sweep. I, I didn't, I have a hard time at any point after the first two rounds saying, yeah, I think that this team's going to sweep this time just because these teams all got here for a reason. Sure. You know, so you don't have, you don't have a team who is going to be a doormat. You don't have the team that won, you know, the conference that you've never heard of. So they got the automatic bid, they're the AQ team and Hey, it's cool for them to go play in Devaney, you know, this once in, in every 15 years or thing. So you don't have that. And the other thing was Oregon played so well in beating Minnesota that I'm like, it was, it was really difficult to look at and say, yeah, this is a team that Nebraska can sweep. However, Oregon played, and I, and I saw someplace, something like 40 more points, or, or maybe it was more than that, of volleyball than Nebraska played on Friday. That's insane. And, and, and not only that, but you had the, no, it was even, it might have been 80 more points. It was ridiculous. Because you not only had uh, that they won in, in the Oregon won it in four sets, but sets two and four went overtime. Set, set two went forty-one to thirty-nine, um, which is a ridiculous number when you know the set's supposed to end at twenty-five. So Oregon played essentially five sets on Friday, and then and, and emotional sets stressful sets and then had to turn around and come play a Nebraska team who, like you said, is peaking at the right time. And frankly, I'm not sure that we have seen as good as this Nebraska team can look. Isn't that scary? It is. It is scary. And I think it's scary. You know, and you look at the coaches that are left, all of those coaches know that they're looking at this Nebraska team and going, this team's looked good. They've done some things really well. But I, they've shown they've shown flashes of things, but never put it all together. Which I know is weird to say about a team who's in the Final Four. Um, and I think, well, to, uh, you know, we'll talk more about where I think this is going to go in a bit. But but a team that's in the Final Four and, and is playing a team. I mean, they've beaten Illinois once this year. But for example, I don't think that their service was near as good as it can be on. Uh, Friday and Saturday of last weekend. I just think that that their service receive passing generally is and needs to be better than that if they're going to advance on and, and uh, repeat their championship. 
Um, and there are some missed opportunities on blocking too. So there's some things there that, but, but they've also done that really well. So, and, and I'm not going to say it, I'm just going to move on. And, but their, their hitting percentage was down a little bit on Friday, uh, particularly, was it not? I mean, um, it, it was. but, but 345 is still a really good hitting number. I mean, that's, you don't, you're definitely not going to be upset about that. Maybe maybe I was getting confused with with something else. I, I thought maybe at one point the announcers said that you know they were down in the in the maybe it was maybe it was a slow start in the third set that that's that might have been what it was and I again hearing pieces of the broadcast instead of the the entire thing maybe I I jumped to that conclusion but for whatever reason I thought they were saying you know that uh, Nebraska's hitting percentage was in like one eighty five or something you know and obviously it it picked up and like you said 345 is a a, a good number and, and uh um and before we start talking and it was actually higher than, it was better than they hit on friday okay um but anyway it, it was uh i didn't because we spent friday or uh, not friday saturday night uh decorating the christmas tree and, and doing some of that stuff and like i said i was uh Peeking my head around the corner, seeing the basketball score, hitting the uh, the last button on the remote, try to catch a little bit of the volleyball, but but uh, you know then also playing Christmas tunes while we put ornaments on and whatnot, and uh, my boy got really into that. Um, so I didn't I didn't get to watch the match against Oregon, but you know e- everything that that I've read and seen, you know, like I said, peeking at the right time, and when you say you know to hear you say that, you know, it's a Final Four team, it's a national semifinal uh, team, and they still haven't put it all together. John Cook's going to find a way, you know, or I'm sure he has in the past week uh, week now, to found a way to put it all together, which means that, you know, if you're left in the Final Four, for example, if if you're uh, the other team in the Big Ten uh, that's still playing, which is uh, Illinois, you might want to buckle up because you could be in for some hard times uh, Thursday night. Before we start previewing the semifinals, obviously we've mentioned uh, uh, Nebraska's opponent and uh, the top seed Stanford is taking on uh, number four BYU. It, it's funny that Nebraska is the only team that didn't host a regional who got out of the regional. Um, so, you know, kudos to them. But kudos as well to uh, some Huskers who were uh, named uh, on Wednesday All-Americans. And that was uh, Michaela Fecky, Lauren Stiverens, who we talked about, uh, who were AVCA first-team All-Americans, and Kenzie Maloney was a third-team honoree. And also on Wednesday, we learned that Michaela Fecky was named the Senior Class Award winner. can you speak a little bit about what that class award is? Well, and, and before we go on to that, uh, Nicklin Hames was also an All-American honorable mention, which is, is awesome for a freshman setter. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, you're right. It says the fourth player earns honorable mentions, and I didn't scroll down. I didn't scroll down far enough on Coronation.com. So, Coronation.com's uh, article. Yeah, I know, and and I apologize to Jill because she took the time <laughs> at two twenty three this uh, you know Wednesday afternoon to publish the article, and I apologize Jill for not looking down and picking up that fourth Husker. 
Nicklin Hames, freshman setter, honorable mention. It, which, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, Ty, but it's pretty rare air for a setter to gain such recognition as a first-year rookie. You literally just read that out of the article, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> well, I think it's funny because it's a first-year rookie, unlike a second-year rookie. Uh, right, yeah. Just kidding, Jill. Jill. Mad at you. Ah, she probably's uh, not listening. No, the, the so the, the senior class award is, is huge. Um that's a huge honor for for Fecky, and it speaks to a lot more than just just her ability on the court. It talks about who she is as a leader on the field, on the court, I suppose, uh, on the on the court, in the classroom, in the community. And so, uh, class is actually an acronym, and it's uh, again, I'm actually taking some of this information directly out of Jill's article on CornerNation.com. Uh, y'all, yes, I am the volleyball writer, but when I'm getting ready to go to uh, <laughs> Minneapolis for two, for at least two, hopefully four days, um, and and preparing my classroom to have a sub and all those kinds of things, I don't get time to hit all of this stuff. I often don't find out about the stuff until I get home. So it's awesome that we have awesome writers uh, with coordination who who cover my rear end for me. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, is celebrating loyalty and achievement for staying in school. Um, so it really speaks to, like I said, not just uh, her her accomplishments on the court, but also uh, the making it through four years of school, being a four year contributor on the volleyball team, uh, and contributions in the community with with um, you know being part of of the Nebraska community as well. Here here's a fun fact, Ty. Did you know that Michaela is the second Husker to win? Uh, the senior class award for volleyball. I, I was today years old when I learned that. <laughs> I was too. <laughs> uh, Gina, <laughs> Gina were, you, were you also right now years old? I, I'm I'm this moment years old. Yeah. Uh, yep. Gina Mancuso, Man, Mancuso, Mancuso uh, took home the award in 2012. She did. Um, I mean, and Becky's Becky's accomplishment in, in Nebraska. Beyond the individual awards and accolades, which she deserves all of, she's been the two-time most outstanding player in the Final Four. Um, she's been, uh, you know, second-team All-American. She's going to have she, her name is in the top ten for I don't even know how many statistical categories. Uh, you know, all for attacking, but in different, you know, in a attacks in a in a match, in a set, in a you know, in a season, et cetera, et cetera. Um, she's been a, a heck of a leader for this program as well. So, you know, Becky's footprint is going to be, is going to be on the Nebraska program for a long time. I, I just want to point out, by the way, uh, that the photo that Jill selected for the senior class award article, coordination.com in this particular photo, Michaela Fecky, who is the, uh, featured, player in you know she's the centerpiece of the photo she's jumping about 12 feet in the air if you look her her waist is the height of the top of the net uh that's pretty that's that's some good ups right there um i mean maybe a a bit of tricky camera work by uh john dam johnson but no probably not (laughs) uh i i do want to say though if i'm remembering aspects uh and and i 
I might be confusing my uh, Huskers here, but I believe that in that radio broadcast of the Huskers IMG Radio Network uh, this past Friday, in talking about Michaela Fecky, they said that, again, not knowing where her career was going to take her, but she was definitely interested in maybe veterinary school or something like that. But the, her resume lends itself to follow at least one other, you know, former Husker, and that's, you know, perhaps playing for the U.S. national team. I mean, she's she's got that, you know, ability, that level of talent that, you know, she could help uh, the uh, American women, you know, put some more gold uh, in in the old uh, trophy case, correct? I, I, she will absolutely get a, a very long look as somebody who, who could possibly play with the women's national team. Um, you know, you're talking about uh, Jordan Larson, of course, is maybe the best known former Husker. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Kelsey Robinson's played on the national team. Kayla Banworth played on the national team. Uh, Wong Arant has played briefly on the national team this last uh, this last year. Um, and, and Banworth, of course, you know, now is the assistant coach with the Huskers and has come back. And that's been a big part of what has made uh, Michaela much more valuable to the team is she's now a six-position player. She not only uh, hits and plays across the front row, but she plays all three, or she plays across the back row defensively as well, which is something that they need at the international level because you have fewer substitutions in FIVB play than you have at NCAA play. See, I knew it. I knew she was a perfect fit. Uh, I, would- I, I wouldn't go that far. There's some stuff defensively and, and in the back row that, she, that she's going to need some work on. But I think with the resume that she has and the coaches that she'd worked, she's worked with, I think she's got a chance. Could – now hear me out. This is going to be a ridiculous <laughs> question. You take the best Husker rotation, you know, the, the a la carte from the last 10 years – now don't 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 name names because I I I won't know who half of them are. You take the best <laughs> Husker rotation, the best six who can be on the court at any one time. Could they beat the U.S. national Olympic team? No. Oh, wrong answer, Ty. I mean, I, I know half of them wrong, are Huskers. I know it's the wrong answer for a lot of reasons, but it's like, you know, it's like those people who insist every year that Alabama could beat the Cleveland Browns or that Duke could beat the, apparently we're just picking on Cleveland, the Cleveland Cavaliers and, you know, any of those kinds of things. The reality is, is, is that the reason that those same five, you know, seven, eight, whatever guys, you know, or in the case of football, that, that same group of guys isn't all together in the, in the league isn't just because, well, the, the, you know, logistics of that are, are mind blowing, but those guys aren't all going to get drafted. They're not all going to get a chance to play in the league. And so, by the same token, yeah, I mean, I can, cause I could probably without thinking too hard list off six to eight women who team represented their country. And I have to include, um, you know, some Canadians in there. Um, but I don't, I just, I just, You can't put the – I don't think even the best six would beat the women's national team. Best six to eight. Okay. Would you say – I just can't say it. Would you say, 
just uh, going off on that on that tangent, would you say that in basketball there's the best chance for for that to happen? When I mean, if you look at a, a Duke or a Kentucky, uh, you probably have two first round draft picks maybe on on the court already. If you put them up against uh, you, you picked on Cleveland, and I don't have any problem picking on Cleveland. But uh, you know, I, I always think of the Atlanta Hawks as one of the worst NBA teams. Um, if you put the starting five for Duke against, I mean, wouldn't basketball be be the the smallest uh, talent disparity? Disparity? Yeah, I think that's the right word. Uh, certainly not football, but. Especially when they can go to the league after just the year in in college, I, I would I would say that in basketball there's a shot. I, I mean, you're you're probably right. There's a shot because you look at uh, teams. Start because while you were talking, I was thinking, well, no, because then you've got two or three guys that just aren't very good on that team. And but you know that's basically the Cleveland Cavaliers since LeBron came back. I continue shitting on the Cavaliers, uh, not to continue picking on the Cavaliers, but. They, when LeBron came back, you didn't change the lineup that much, and suddenly they're a championship contender every year. So, I mean, yeah, I guess you could make that argument. I'm sure if I took the time to really uh, hash out the data, which I don't have any interest in doing, um, you know, we could really figure that out. Call but it. I, I don't know. I, I don't think. I just think it's a it's kind of a ludicrous argument to make that the best the best college team could beat the worst professional team because you know you take those like your your point two or three first round picks okay put them out there with you know at any time on the court they're playing with two to three guys who are never going to make the league right so i don't know about um, that well but at this point in their careers aren't going to make aren't aren't looking at the league next year okay so then you've got the nba team you've got you know your let's just say of course, Golden State's an extreme example, but you know, take another team that's got one to two superstars. Those guys are going to be probably better at this point than those those first round draft picks on the college team. But then those guys that are those other guys that are role players on the NBA team are probably still much better than the role players from that college team. I cannot argue with that. However, I will you say could. I, I, could. I know volleyball than I do basketball. <laughs> I will say that in in a, in a little bit of round ball, a little bit of basketball, I would take the starting five from Duke, for example. And I hate that because I don't like Duke, Duke any more than I like Kentucky or Creighton or any team in blue. But I would take them over. Stay with me on this one. In a game of basketball, I would take those five over uh, any five players on the Montreal Expos right now. That's fair. No, I would. I would absolutely take those five basketball players over any five baseball players on a team that no longer exists. Yeah, I can agree with that. Thank you. All right, uh, <laughs> let's move on. And you missed Patrick so much, didn't you? That's why we're talking about basketball so much right now. I I I got sidetracked on a tangent, and I'm 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 bringing it back now. So <laughs> uh, tonight, Nebraska and Illinois. For the third time, the rubber match, if you will, and 
This is, again, this is when it matters the most. Uh, they each have a win on the other team's court, if I remember looking at Huskers.com accurately from a week ago. Um, and now, obviously, you're playing on, on neutral ground and after the Stanford-BYU match. So you go in, and, and you got to take care of – this is why I like being I, – I, you know, not that I have a – say or a choice or anything like that but you know if I was a player I'd want to be that first match you know so you can sit down and watch the second match and find out who you're playing that way and uh I don't know when when you're into the final four does not to say that the opponent doesn't matter but I guess that that semi-final slot really doesn't make much of a difference because you're not playing the, the championship for two days anyway right yeah, you're not. And you've, you know, you, you can't focus down the road because that's where you end up getting in trouble with, um, with losing that, right. that semifinal matches when you start looking like, well, once we move on past this, you know, you know, you've got to focus on, if you're the Huskers, you've got to focus on what you need to do to beat Illinois tonight so that you have an opportunity to play whomever it is becomes your opponent on, uh, Saturday. Illinois, do they? If did I hear the announcers correctly while I was, uh, I watched some of the uh, Illinois match. I can't remember who they were playing on Saturday, but I watched a little bit of that. Do they have a, a head coach or an assistant who uh, coached at Nebraska, or is it a similar situation to uh, who we were just talking about? You know, a few minutes ago, that a former Illini volleyball player came back home to coach in Champaign. I can't quite remember what I heard. No, Thomas was at Nebraska a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, he was part of the coaching staff that won the national title in 15. Um, and he took the job at Illinois when Kevin Hambly, who was at Stanford, Stanford now, left Illinois to go to Stanford. Isn't that ridiculous? It's like, um, I don't want to say musical yeah. chairs, but but it's, you know, it's it's everybody's kind of moving up, you know? Uh, and so I believe if, if what I heard, if what I read from the press um, from the, the transcript from the, the press conferences today is correct, I believe Hambly is a graduate of BYU. Madness. So now you you've brought it all kind of around into you know you brought it kind of full circle with all of that. You've got the former BYU coach who was at um, Illinois is now or the former BYU player excuse me who was at Illinois is now at Stanford. And of course, you've got the former Nebraska coach who is now at the former Nebraska assistant who's the head coach of Illinois. So it kind of it all does work kind of full circle in that way. There's a connection between all of them, at least besides they're all playing each other this weekend. I mean, you got to think no matter what happens at the end of the weekend, Sunday, there's going to be brunch at all four coaches are going to be there. And they're just going to be like, you know, it's, it's like getting, getting the, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, the the old boys club together and be like, well, guys, we had some success. Congratulations, John, on another national championship. Uh, um, I, I guess you're not looking to retire anytime soon. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, except, I, except that whoever loses on Thursday will go home Friday if they even stay till Friday. Really? Oh yeah. You know, the coaches, you know, the coaches might stick around on their dime, but I know for me as a coach, and this is just my. My mindset, you know, if my team isn't there 
uh, I'm going to go back with them. I'm going to go home with them, be on that bus, be on that plane. Because uh, we got there together, so we go home together. Um, and, you know, of course, the last couple of times when Nebraska's won the national title, they have their welcome back to Lincoln party the day after the national title. So, uh, you know, I hate to ruin a little dream there. But but you did say correct you if you're wrong. That's true. I, I, but, that, that, I considered throughout that, the, the <laughs> Yeah, that's the common thread throughout this entire episode is correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think I, I've kept counting at 73 times I've said it now in the half hour that we've been uh, recording. So let's we, – we're familiar with Illinois, and, and obviously you're going to be in Minneapolis uh, uh, for the Final Four. Um, what can you tell us about Stanford and BYU? What can you tell us about the other side of the bracket – uh, for, you know, should Nebraska end up playing Saturday night? So um, Stanford uh, went undefeated in the Pac-12, uh, which is no small feat. Uh, I would say when you talk about depth of, of volleyball in a conference, I will say the Pac-12 probably has an argument with saying that they're the best conference in the country, but it, it falls apart really quickly when you look at how dominant the big 10 is and how many big 10 teams had to either were going to have to play or ended up playing big 10 teams on their way to, you know, throughout the course of the tournament. Um, so the, the pac 12 is, is I will say without much reservation that the pac 12 is the second best volleyball conference in the country. Stanford only lost once this year to BYU in August in Provo. I don't know um, if that counts anymore. Well, you know what? I would have said, I said before last weekend that you know you couldn't take into account that uh, Oregon had beaten Minnesota and that Nebraska had beaten Oregon already this year because those matches happened in August and September respectively. But but it ended up mattering a whole heck of a lot. Um, because those, well, I guess it didn't matter a whole heck of a lot, but those, those results were repeated. Um, however, one big difference is that BYU beat Stanford in Provo. And if you watched any of, um, the, any of the matches over last weekend in Provo, because BYU was a regional host, you kind of saw how unique that place is as a um, home court advantage. I mean, the, the student section is right where, I mean, right against the server and they're in their ear screaming and yelling. Um, you know, so I, I, I will say that I, I, I can't imagine. I have a hard time imagining BYU repeating that success against Stanford uh, again tonight. I think, I think Stanford is going to advance to the regional or to the national championship. Um, you know, Stanford is the number one seed in the tournament for a reason. I think it is well earned <clears throat> at this point, I should say, cause I really thought Minnesota was the best team going into the tournament. Um, but I think Stanford deserves to be the number one team left. And, and so I think it could, I, I'm at this point hesitant to predict how many sets it's going to go. It will not be a sweep. That I can say with confidence, uh, which probably means it will be a sweep. But <laughs> and I cannot see BYU beating Stanford. I just think Stanford's got too many weapons. They're too 
experienced and, um, you know, they, they come through a much tougher conference to get to where they are. I was just going to ask, uh, you know, after you guaranteed that it wasn't going to be a sweep, I was going to say, oh, who do you anticipate sweeping uh, their opponent out? So Stanford, obviously, based on, you know, your last 20 seconds there, Stanford's going to sweep BYU out. Uh, right. That's, yeah, basically what I'm saying. Nebraska's going to <laughs> – uh, and and I guess we can't really tell yet. I think we'd be able to tell more if we were having this conversation Friday night. But this is oddly reminiscent to me of last year's Final Four in that you had Nebraska versus Penn State in, in the semifinal. And on the other side, it was Florida and I want to say, was it Stanford or, or Texas? Stanford. Okay, it was Stanford. I don't know why I thought Texas. Bleep Texas. Um, but the the best game of or best match of the Final Four ended up being Nebraska Penn State in in the semifinal. Right. And and Florida, while they made it interesting at times, they just didn't have enough to uh, you know to to stop Nebraska. Obviously, which which worked out well for us. Do you see? Again, not knowing what the the championship match is going to be, do you see the Stanford BYU matchup uh, Thursday night being akin, being you know this year's version of Nebraska Penn State, where uh, you know it, it, it's going to be the the best match of the weekend? You know, I hadn't thought about that, but uh, you know, I've had of course conversations over the last few days with with friends. Um, and people who know volleyball and, you know, that, that Nebraska Penn State match has come up quite a bit last year. And thank God that gal tripped for whatever reason and fell into the net. Um, yeah, I I actually think that that probably – I think that that's a very likely outcome this weekend. Um, you know, except for the fact that you've got familiarity with, with Illinois and Nebraska. Um, so we could see that one be a really tight match too. But I do think when you look at – if you look at the match, it's going to be just a knockdown, dragout slugfest, and and just so much fun to watch the volleyball. I do think BYU uh, Sanford will be. I, I think has a really good chance of being that match. Well, you are going to be there uh, for uh, at least Thursday, and and like you mentioned earlier, uh, hopefully, you know it's a four day trip for you instead of just a two-day trip nothing against uh minnesota but you don't want to just go to minnesota for one night and drive home you want to be able to have some time to uh two years ago Columbus, that was miserable yeah uh you want <laughs> you want to be able to uh you know see john damn johnston and uh uh share a beverage and uh, uh i i i know we joked about it uh, uh last week but your Airbnb being it all the way, not taking any chance yep. uh, uh, of uh, whatever might get you at his house. Um, I don't blame you, really. He's not listening either, so it's okay. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to let you go because you have a long day of driving tomorrow. And as a guy who spends all day in a truck, I want to make sure you get to Minneapolis safely. I'll tell you. You don't want to going to win the Husker match? Well, I, I, I speculatively, I think I already know what you're going to say, but go ahead, fine, ruin it for everyone. 
Oh, you want me to ruin it for everything? Well, here's here's the thing. Here's how I will, I will wrap it up. My thoughts. I I do think the Huskers will beat Illinois. Um, I'm not going to say that I don't think it will be a sweep, but I don't think it will be a sweep. Um, which again means that it's going to be two sweeps tomorrow night. <laughs> tonight, I know what night of the week it is. Right. Um, I, I do think it will be a good match between Nebraska and Illinois. And, and, you know, because I'm, I'm a Husker fan, I've been a long time Husker fan. And I lived in what was essentially enemy territory for a long time and was still a Husker fan. I want desperately to pick the Huskers to win the national championship, but I can't, I also can't confidently say Stanford's going to win it because there's just a lot of factors that I want to see how both teams play tonight. I want to see how Nebraska and Stanford look in what I'm assuming will be victories uh, before I can really make a call. And, and don't worry, I, there'll be a, a recap piece on coordination.com uh, after the match is over, either uh, late tonight for many of you, maybe first thing tomorrow morning. Um, but there will be a recap piece uh, that will have my national championship match prediction in it. Um, but I did, it's hard for me to pick right now because, um, you know, last year I picked against Nebraska a long way and Nebraska proved me wrong. A lot of times this team I think is more talented than that team was, but there are other things that I think are missing, uh, that I want to see if we see some sparks of it on, on tonight on, on Thursday night, then I'll know that they're going to be there Saturday and I'll be more confident picking the Huskers. Well, I am going to pick Nebraska because I, I have no reason not to. They've not let me down. <laughs> I'm it's it, it's a homer pick through and through. I mean, for crying out loud, I picked Nebraska to win at the Big House in football this past fall. So uh, I've got my uh, scarlet colored glasses on. I'm picking Nebraska. I think four sets is, is a safe uh, safe bet against Illinois. I'm gonna say that the one that they lose is gonna be that third set. I think they're gonna come out on fire. And I'm not saying that. Illinois won't. I just think after the intermissions. Yeah. It's what happened to him last year against Florida. I know. I remember that. Um, Well, and I don't think it's too much of a homer pick to, you know, say that you're picking the Huskers. And I think, um, you know, of course against Illinois, but I think there's a lot of reasons to pick Nebraska the rest of the way, but I'm not ready to do that yet. All right. Uh, That is fair. And uh, I cannot wait to, Talk a little bit more volleyball. Hopefully, Ty will will be able to meet up next week. You be safe. I'm, I'll tell you the same thing I tell all my friends when they're traveling: is text me when you get there, so I know you got there safe. And uh, uh, enjoy your time in Minneapolis. I hope you have the whole weekend. I hope the Huskers give you reason to stay until Sunday, even though you know your son just did turn one. But hey, if you can go to the national yeah. championship. You know, a week and a half after he's born, you can certainly go a year and a week and a half after he turned one. I mean, after he was, yeah, yeah, that makes and sense. Greg, I'm going to shamelessly plug um, last week's my summary article from last week from the Oregon match. My Instagram and my Twitter handle are both in there. Uh, my Instagram is Coach Ty Six. Uh, Twitter is Coach underscore Ty Six. I will be live on Instagram from the Target Center tomorrow. Um, Thursday night, I will be uh, tweeting. So if you guys want updates, kind of to know what's going on, um, follow me on there, and I will I will try and I will do my best to be better at social media than I generally am. Keep everybody up to date. I I'm I never tag 
uh, or link Instagram at the bottom of the post, but your Twitter is linked at the very bottom of the post uh, under all the other social media links. So everybody, we encourage you to check out the the link themselves on coronation.com or jitterymonkey.com. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean. Uh, subscribe, or you can listen to the show uh, through the links provided because I still haven't figured out a way to get that embeddable player back on coronation.com. So you can always just go to jitterymonkey.com and click the the article at the top of the five heart uh, section and and hit the little play it'll bring up a little pop-up screen you can play it that way or i i always tell people and ty you know this the the best way to do is just to subscribe and the episodes will download automatically and uh yeah subscribe isn't that what you said subscribe to the pod subscribe to the podcast subscribe to the podcast and rate and review about it anymore and I'm going to say this because I forgot to say it uh, uh, to him on Facebook or Twitter or in a text message today. Uh, Husker friend, Husker fan, and uh, longtime supporter of my endeavors uh, in the podcasting realm, Andrew from Lincoln, uh, had a birthday on Wednesday. So happy belated birthday, Andrew, if you're listening. Uh, Andrew's a good dude, great Husker fan, and... uh, uh, Goes and supports football and basketball and, and volleyball as well. And he's a nerd. So uh, we, we have a lot of things in common. So uh, happy birthday, Andrew. Hope that you had a great day. And, and maybe the Huskers will continue to win and, and bring you a belated birthday national championship just for you, Andrew. Hey, 12 straight matches, and they have not dropped a set in the tournament. Knock on wood. All right. That is Your it. last loss was Illinois. <sighs> you had to go there, didn't you? It's it not, just means we're going to keep going. I was going to say, it's not going to happen again. Uh, my dog is looking at me and saying, please take me outside. I got to pee. So that is our cue to end the show. We appreciate you all for tuning in, subscribing, as we said, as Ty recommended, and uh, rating and reviewing and joining the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. My name is Greg Mahochko. His name is Ty Peter Onitz, and we wish you, uh, we wish to tell you, remind you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Ty? Go Big Red. Hey, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, Greg. And? Win the damn match. Thank you. That was close. That was close. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.